A very warm welcome to you from Equa Marketing. This presentation is brought to you by Equa.com, a leader in digital marketing. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of the Growing Dentist Podcast Show. Today, I'm super excited to be talking to Dr. David Maloli, the founder of Dental Success Network and uh, the famous Relentless Dentist Podcast. Doctor, welcome. Oh, thank you. It's an honor to be back with you. Um, I really appreciate you taking the time. I know you are really busy and um, you are very mindful of how you spend your time. Um, so before we get started, um, for those of our listeners who have not heard of you, I'm sure most have, can you tell us a little bit about yourself? Who are you? Where did you come from? Where are you today? Yeah, absolutely. Um, in a nutshell, I'm a Nebraska farm boy. That influenced a lot of who I am, my work ethic, my values. Um, I couldn't have had a better childhood. Sometimes I felt maybe a little deprived because I was always working when people were playing baseball and things like that. But it's really a, a strong foundation of who I am today and, and really the values that I try and impart on my own family. Um, I stayed in Nebraska all through undergrad, all through dental school, and then served five years as a military dentist. Uh, did one year residency at Fort Jackson, South Carolina, two years in a little town called Giebelstadt, Germany, and two years in a town called Vicenza, Italy. Um, you can imagine a, a Nebraska farm kid getting exposed to that more global view could be powerful, and it was a game changer for me. Um, after leaving the military, I had associated for a couple years, knew I needed my own gig. Um, the European influence drove me to the mountains in a more European lifestyle. And so I landed in the Vale Valley area um, where Beaver Creek and Vale Resorts are. And so I can keep that, um, that, that, I don't really believe in work-life balance, but what I know is that I need something to compensate for my workaholism. And by having the influence of outdoor recreation, it's been powerful for me to, to um, not just kind of keep um, nose to the grindstone. So that's where I am now. I started the podcast about five years ago, um, just because the podcast that I wanted wasn't available. And now that's obviously exploded as a medium. Um, it's been so cool to network with people like yourself uh, my colleagues at meetings and, and through the internet, through social media, email, what have you. Um, I didn't really know why I started it. It was just kind of like a entrepreneurial seizure as Michael Gerber talks about an e-myth, but um, it, it, my life is profoundly better for that. And I hope to kind of serve and impact dentists through that medium and on an ongoing basis. That's awesome. Um, talking about, um, you know, you said you made a comment that was interesting. You said, I don't believe in work-life balance. And I remember listening to Jeff Bezos and he talks about this concept called work-life harmony. And the way he describes it is, does your work give you energy? Because if it does, when you go home, you're going to be a happy person to be around. Right. Yeah. Uh, for me, I, I, it's all integrated. I, I can't not think about my family at work and I can't not think about my work when I'm with family. So I make peace with the, if I'm skiing with my family that I may have to stop and take an emergency call. Um, but you know, I need to spend time in kind of every category to make sure that my life is robust as, as it should be. Absolutely. So you started the podcast five years ago. Tell me more about your day job. Like when did you start your practice and yeah, so um, my practice is, a, is what I would consider the ideal lifestyle practice. I started eight years ago um, from scratch 
to be honest, it was horrible timing. The economy was horrible. I was upside down in a house in North Carolina. Um, but I knew that that was the right thing for me and my family. I was just determined to make it happen. And so in some ways I was overconfident, but now I know the reason why was that I had some powerful lessons to learn about how do you market yourself? How do you make the phone ring? How do you take care of clients so that they leave you um, reviews or, or give you referrals? All those things were, were, were taught to me because I needed to make it happen or else I would have crashed and burned in that practice. And there were times that I thought I would, but now um, we're, you know, we've grown every year for eight consecutive years. Um, I cut back from a four-day work week to a three-day work week last year and still grew by 15%. So that allows me the time to, to pursue other passions that I have, like coaching, podcasting, speaking, um, building other businesses that help support dentists and myself, really. It's, uh, I'm happiest when I'm working, and to work with a purpose like that, uh, sometimes, like we talked about, blurs the lines. Like I, I sometimes, depending on the project I'm working on, don't know if it's work or play. And so that freedom of time has been super powerful for me. And I think you'll find that my son would say I'm a better dad now that I'm more at home and less at the office. And my wife would say I'm a better husband. So I think that made me uh, a better man to be able to focus on multiple things. Um. It, it, it makes me happier. I sleep better at night, all those sorts of things. So that's how I've designed my practice. It took me longer than I thought to get there, but I'm really proud of the outcome I've had for the last year, year and a half or so. Right, right. So let's talk about um, how you think about time and how has it changed, um, you know, when you're working um, for others and, you know, when you were in the military and, of course, when you started your business and now. Um, so what's your view on time? Uh, I, f- I consider it as the ultimate non-renewable resource. Uh, I take my time really seriously. And it has developed into, you know, a leadership strategy. Am I delegating the things that I can develop? Is it better for me to spend three hours with a team member so that they understand it? Or... 75 five-minute sessions <laughs> correcting the problem. Um, so it, it impacts really everything that I do. I try and be very intentional about, um, you know, I break up my, my time. When I'm in the office, I want to truly be in the office, and I work long days there. But when I'm not in the office, my team is really good about protecting my time because they know I'm engaged in other things. Sometimes that's just recreation. I don't take a whole lot of free days. It's usually working on other business projects. Sometimes that business project is working on the practice, but it's uh, also some other things that I'm rolling out that are really passion projects that I think will serve dentists over the long haul. So yeah, it's, uh, you know, it's funny when I started the practice, I said yes to everything because I didn't have enough patience. I didn't have enough profits. I didn't have enough support um, from a team perspective. And now that I've kind of, been so diligent in that for so long my time I really have to say no a lot and and making sure that things are prioritized is super important to me I use Pareto's law and making almost all my decisions meaning is this 20 is this following the 20 percent of activities that will get me 80 percent of my results and if it's no or maybe then I really have to challenge if I can get that off my plate sometimes it just means it doesn't happen other times it means it's delegated or automated, those sorts of things. Right, right. Um, 
you mentioned um, Michael Gerber. I ended up spending a couple of days at his house uh, near San Diego. I'm no kidding. Um, he's a legend. That's amazing. Yeah, he's an amazing guy. Uh, he was around 76 then. I think he's now more, he's 80 plus now, right? Wow. Um, so do you have coaches or have you had coaches over the years? Absolutely. I'm always kind of engaged with a coach or mastermind, sometimes several at a time. Uh, my personality is such that I, I, the longest I usually stick with them is a year or two because I like to take the core knowledge and I feel like I'm a different person. I've evolved after that and it's time to move on from an, another voice, a slightly different message, those sorts of things. So I've worked with all sorts of different types of people that have helped me with my business or simple things like life philosophy, mindset. I think it's really important to have people in your corner. If nothing more then I think the human being itself is really horrible at keeping promises to themselves. And sometimes you just need somebody to bust your chops when you don't follow through with a deadline or a commitment. Um, it's, it's a lot easier when you have people that you can be free and accountable with, um, or I should say authentic with, and that they can hold you accountable. So I, I've really harnessed the power of that probably more in the last few years than then in the early years of practice, I was way too independent and I've, it's taken me a long time. Apparently, I'm a slow learner to, to realize the power of networks and the power of collaboration and the power of shared knowledge. So that also is a it's a funny you should ask that, you know, along with time. Those are two things that I've really sharpened over the last couple of years and they're really powerful drivers in my life currently. Right. Networks and cooperation. Who are some of the coaches? Who, who do you feel you got the most out of? Like, uh, uh, maybe our listeners might find it interesting. Well, I have a really powerful network that I'm involved with called Practice on Fire. It's a closed network of kind of high-performing dentists started by a good friend of mine named Graham Dursley. That's evolved into um, a live seminar every year. Anyway, we stay in touch through an app called WhatsApp and. I think the dentists in that group have their best month, month after month, just because we can share trials and tribulations and share best practices. And sometimes there isn't a best practice. It, it just gets, um, just gets worked out through communication and then we can all adopt that or adapt that into our own lives and practices. So that's been a powerful one. So that's, you know, I would encourage any listener out there to form or connect with that sort of group that you can, not feel bad about bragging, you know, if you have your best month ever, but also not feel bad if you have a dumb question that you feel like is overly elementary, but you just need to crack the code on something. That form of, of network um, is hugely powerful. So, I, you know, that's been high impact for me over the last few years. Like I said, I've kind of one-offed these kind of, sometimes they're life coaches, sometimes they're business coaches over a year or two, um, there's a guy named Jarrett Grossman that I worked with for a couple of years. He's strictly, well, not really strictly, but he's, he's a mindset driven guy. And that's something that really appeals to me because I always felt like I was my own biggest obstacle and seeing that and having somebody who is almost like a linebacker coach. That's a little bit more in my face was really healthy for me. So um, yeah, there's always, it's kind of a revolving door and it's not because I'm not satisfied but sometimes I feel like I'm ready for a switch or a fresh, fresh message. And um, so over the last probably eight years, there've been no less than eight to 10 coaches or masterminds that I've been involved in. That's awesome. 
That's great. Um, coming back, so you, you, you made a lot of interesting points when we talked about time. You talked about being intentional. You talked about working on the 80-20 rule. In other words, only doing the highest impact activities yeah. and continuing to delegate. Because then as you grow, I'm assuming what was high impact three years ago is no longer in that 20% anymore <laughs> exactly. because now you have gone to the next level. Yes. And um, so continuing to, you know, finding what's the highest impact and then continuing to move on and then along the way, bringing others along. So now they can also grow, right? It's not just you, but even your team is growing. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and um, <clears throat> what's your take on um, telling the truth? What I mean is a lot of people know the problem, but um, a lot of times they don't have the guts to deal with it or accept right. it. I mean, right. there's a saying that, you know, don't do what you did yesterday and expect different outcomes. Like, can you share some stories, experiences like, um, you know, in your own life, uh, as well as those that you work with and how do you deal with it? And what are your thoughts? Uh, that's a powerful question. You know, I think it's always an evolution because um, we always have excuses and sometimes it's a, a blind spot that we just don't see. Like this is easily overcomable, but I've leaned on this crutch for so long that I can't see around it, through it, past it. And, and these networks I was telling you about point out those blind spots, like, oh, come on. Like there's always somebody that's done more with less. So I, I take on the philosophy of what I call um, kind of a key tenet for me. They call it point the thumb, which is extreme accountability. Like even if it's not your fault, even if it's the patient's fault or your office manager's fault, really dig inside and see how you played into that. Did you hire wrong? Did you, should have you let somebody go sooner? Uh, did you not share a vision clearly? Did you not articulate or work through a system properly? Especially as a business owner and a high level performer, it's really reliant on us being a strong leader. And if we're pointing fingers, it's really toxic, really fast. But for our own, you know, for our own benefit, being that level of accountable, like it's everything is my fault, brings a whole nother light to it and allows you to focus on the things that you have control over. And it really helps you control the power. Um, I've tried to instill that same concept in my practice. I love coaching dentists, but I also love coaching my team because they aspire to be more as well. And I try and give them more and more autonomy, but that autonomy is driven by that accountability. We use a term that you've probably heard of called anti-fragile by uh, Nassim Taleb. It's a book. And so we, we think we know what fragile is. If the box is fragile, you don't want to drop it. But we usually think the opposite of fragile is robust, but it really is anti-fragile, meaning you get stronger amongst the chaos or the hard times. And so we talk, we use terms like that in the practice, like point the thumb and anti-fragile, really just to continue to drive accountability. And it gets so harmonious when we're all accountable that then we can start holding our ourselves accountable and you use the word truth. None of that is possible if we're not being candid and honest with ourselves and others. Right, right. I, I find that's one of the hardest places um, that people find uh, because, you know, truth, at least in the short term, feels like it's painful. So because people want to avoid that short-term pain, they kind of don't want to look at it. It's like It's like that looking at the sun kind of. And I guess once you start enjoying it and once you start figuring out how to turn it into a positive, then I guess it could become very powerful. 
Yeah, and I think we're socialized to blame now. It seems like that's the that's a media message and a political message, and um, you really have to pull yourself out of that muck to realize like there's a whole another game I could be playing here. And if you're able to execute on that, then you know you've you've essentially got the world by the tail. Right. So we talked about time. Um, how do you define purpose, and has it changed over time? Um, that. <laughs> Yeah, that is, so I need to tell a little bit of a story to to preface this. Um, when I was in undergrad, um, I was not on track to become a dentist. In fact, I didn't know I wanted to become any sort of higher education type of person. I didn't really even see that as attractive. I was a deadbeat undergrad student. Um, people laugh because it's but it's an actual true story. There were a time period in undergrad that I would literally set my alarm to make sure that I made lunch. So underperforming, lazy, dropping classes, pizza eating, beer drinking. And then for unknown reasons, um, I'm so thankful to this day for my mom who bought me seven habits of highly effective people for Christmas. Right. So that's one good thing. But the other thing is that I actually read it, which is totally not my character at the time, but the exercise, um, begin with the end of mind where you um, sit down and define your own eulogy. What would a colleague say about you? What would a family member say about you? What would a friend say about you? And, and then reverse engineering your life to make sure that that happened. That scared me straight because I realized in that moment that I almost need to pull a 180 to, to get to the end of my day's with what you mentioned, Jeff Bezos, a regret minimization strategy. So I think about that all the time. That may seem dark to people, but in embracing your own mortality, that really sets you free to, to, to pursue things with courage. There's another document that I commonly reference when I speak called the top five regrets of the dying. Uh, a hospice nurse had continually asked people like in their last 12 weeks of life, like, what would you, what are you proud of? What do you wish you would have done differently? And there are five key elements there. And number one, what number one is, I wish I would have lived a life true to myself as opposed to kind of cowering to what other people expected of me. All those are driving forces. I think my purpose, you know, I think a lot of times we were led to believe that our purpose is kind of like a fill in the blank exercise. I think it's a lot more robust than that. And so I'm constantly honing that. I have an exercise that I do at the end of the year to prep for the next year. And there's 16 categories where I kind of rank and rate and project my life. And I just try and define my life by that. Those final days, I, I am terrified. Number one fear is to be in my deathbed and have like grandkids around me and say, hey, don't do what I did. I wish I would have done this. I should have done this. Um, I, I want to end it with a, a much uh, a prouder statement on going out. And um, it, it's a it's a constantly kind of moving, innovating process that I'm going through. But um, it's it's been a game changer for me for almost 20 years. Clearly, I wouldn't be a dentist. I wouldn't have served in the military. I wouldn't live in Vail and ski 40 times a year with my son had I not done that exercise in, oh, that was probably 1996. So 20 years plus of really getting that dialed in and it's still probably not even close. It's a, it's an, it's a, a saw that I continue to sharpen. Absolutely. I actually read his book like 10 times. I think I also read it when I was in my early 20s. I mean, uh, Stephen Covey's Seven Habits of Effective People. And I think it definitely changed me as well. Um, 
just to kind of go back on what you were saying um, about um, purpose, right? But at the same time, one of the challenges I find, and, you know, and I, I'm guilty of this, you know, I'm a serial entrepreneur, we have 180 people, we have grown 100 times, and I want to grow 1000 more times. So how do you, um, this is the challenge, right? So sometimes I try to look back at life, let's say 100 years ago, 1000 years ago, I mean, we are so damn lucky to be alive in 2018. <laughs> right. right. I mean, um, 200 years ago, we probably lived till we are 24. We probably worked in the farm. We probably never went to school or maybe we know how to read and write. And we started working in the farm probably when you were like 11 or 10, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Uh, I mean, we have so much. So like we, we are like born into this amazing positive like on day one, <laughs> yeah. right? But at the same time, we are still so miserable. I mean, the, the depression and anxiety and so many things, right? It's not enough. It's not enough. So yeah. how do you, so I, I think this is kind of maybe, a, you know, the, the you know, Declaration of Independence talks about, you know, uh, you have the right to, uh, you know, this, um, happiness, right? What is, what is that called? Um, life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Pursuit of happiness. But, but that kind of implies that we are not happy right now. So maybe it should be enhancement of happiness. You know, like we are so grateful for just even the year that we are living in, right? Leave alone everything else. Uh, Leave alone uh, where we were born and, you know, all the lucky breaks we had and everything else. Um, So how do you kind of do that? Because I think it's people like you and me, and I'm sure there's millions of others who push the world forward and make the world a better place. But at the same time, how do you find the time to, um, you know, enjoy your relationships, enjoy, um, you know, your time, while creating a big, better world for yourself and others? You know, it's something that I constantly struggle with. I told you about my workaholic tendencies when I grew up on the farm in Nebraska. Literally to this day, my uncles and my cousins are the hardest working people that I was ever around. So, you know, that's just part of, I don't want to say my DNA, but that was, that's part of who I became in those early years because that's all I knew and that's all I saw. Um, it's created struggles for me because I was so dialed into goals. And um, sometimes those goals you think will set you free, but they actually make you miserable because you're close, but not good enough all the time. Um, there, there's a, there's a book called happier um, by Tal Ben Shahar uh, that I speak about um, when I'm on stage and he gives us four kind of archetypes of happiness and most dentists particularly dentists who listen to podcasts, which happen to be, which tend to be top tier dentists because they're constantly engaged in, um, in evolving themselves and bettering themselves and educating themselves. The first one is rat racer where you're always in the future and therefore you're never kind of stopping and smelling the roses. Roses. You're so purpose driven that you're, you're, avo- you're, you're not living in day tight compartments and you kind of let life pass you by and you think that I'll be happy when I achieve this goal. I'll be happy when, when I achieve this goal, never happens. So we create our own misery, mis- misery in the rat race. Second one is hedonist. I live in the mountains and it's loaded with hedonists, meaning they just do whatever they feel like. And um, that seems good for a while, but that lacks purpose and meaning. And those people generally end up in kind of a state of boredom where they're like, is this all there is? The, the um, third archetype is the nihilist. Nihilist is usually a rat racer or a um, hedonist, or sometimes they've bounced between both and realized that 
they're they're not happy and then they just get pissed off and they're like I, I don't see the point and they kind of do what he calls learned helplessness so they just kind of really take on that victim role but the happy archetype is somebody that realizes that it's not getting to the peak of the mountain and it's not wandering aimlessly around the mountain it's the journey of getting to the peak so I schedule that I schedule exercise I schedule time with my son you know, as a workaholic on a Saturday, if there's fluffy snow on the mountain, it's still hard for me to break away um, from my work and my projects. I have to schedule that and say, all right, Ben, at first thing in the morning, we're going to get up there and be at first chair at Vail Mountain. Um, in, in doing so and being very strategic and almost running my life like a business, I found a certain amount of freedom because um, it allows me to have my best year almost every year. I still am goal focused. I still insist upon growing every aspect of my life every year, my income, my, my relationships. Um, but you have to make sure that you're not spending too much focus on one or the other, or um, you can, you know, you can find either your business deteriorating, your relationships deteriorating and going back to the, the regrets of the dying. Like it requires a strong strategy, strong will, strong accountability, to pull all that off, but in my in my belief system, it's well well worth setting aside time to make sure you know what you want, and then making sure that you're scheduling your time to to get after it, and that you're 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 getting what you, the results that you you most desire. Absolutely, I want to continue this, uh, David. But is it okay if we um, do a part two? Would you be open to coming back? A hundred percent. I'm uh, I'm happy to join you at any time. I love talking about this stuff. So. Um, if, uh, if it's good with you, it's good with me. Perfect. Now, if people want to learn more about you and what you're up to or get a hold of you, what's the best way for them to look you up? Well, I love new subscribers on Relentless Dentist. Um, you can get that on iTunes or Stitcher. Or any podcaster knows that. But all my stuff lives on RelentlessDentist.com. Um, we're involved on social media. Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. Um, I created a new email address recently just because I feel it's the easiest way for listeners to get direct access to me. I've kind of always merged that with my practice and things get buried. Um, So I've set that aside for listeners who really want to talk about some of the topics that are passionate to me. That's dr.dave at relentlessdentist.com, dr.dave at relentlessdentist.com. Anyway, people want to reach out. I love engaging with hungry dentists and help help support them in any way that I can. That's awesome. So yeah, definitely we'll put all this in the show notes so people can easily, uh, you know, get a hold of you or just even subscribe to your podcast. I have listened to your podcast and I love it. So um, I think it's, it's awesome what you're thank doing. You and uh, Yeah. So thank you very much, David, for coming, taking your time today and um, let's talk again. And thank you everyone for listening to the Growing Dentist Podcast Show. Uh, if you like this podcast, of course, leave us a comment on iTunes um, or, or email it to us and um, share it with your friends. And um, hope you enjoyed this podcast and have a wonderful day.